Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I've got Barry White. I've got Barry White issues. Is it an issue? I don't know if it's an issue. Pete at IT Hedgehog on Twitter. Always a good follow. Pete, uh, you're in the studio here at me again. Um, I'm raspy. Um, I've got deep dulcet tones. Is it off-putting for you? <laughs> No, it's fine. It's fine, Steve. I was worried about the Barry White issues, thinking you'd suddenly put on about 30 stone overnight. But... <laughs> well, there has been those issues as well. I do tend to eat crisps slightly too late. Um, yeah, I've, do you know what? The whole family's sick. It's like a hospital ward in here. Um, and Mon- I, I thought I was over the brunt of it uh, on Monday and I was feeling very good about myself uh, because everyone else has the whole, you know, snotty nose and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the kids, ill, Joan, ill. I was going around like Iron Man. Um, I had to take the day off on Monday from work. Uh, so I was going around with the two kids and they were literally like coughing in my face and eyeballs. So I thought I'm definitely going to get sick. Didn't get a runny nose, but it's, and I've been drinking Baraka and I've done know if that counts. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but uh, apparently it would. Vitamin C, I'm all over it. But yeah. what it's done is, is I think it's giving me a more persistent strain that's hit my voice now for the last while. Um, so not an excuse why we, why we didn't come on last week. Uh, me and you were talking behind the scenes last week and we were sort of um well first off and i want to hear about it and i want you to break this open for the listeners here you're at country to country uh, so i want to hear about that right that i think that's the real reason that we can't release which we're just going to release it now no i the, the real reason was is that free agency was um so belubas when i was looking at like the the players that we could pick up um, kind of like what happened when I was looking. I know, I know I've been talking for 10 minutes already to start a podcast. I do apologize, especially with this voice. Um, when I saw Landon Collins go off the board and some other players, I was like, okay, uh, you know, Packers Twitter is imploded. So I didn't want to get into a podcast to talk about the likes of Josh McDaniels and his play calling uh, when, when all of a sudden uh, it wasn't relevant anymore. So we postponed it, and rightly so, uh, Pete. First off, before we get into any free agency moves, country to country, how, why, what, where, when, and, uh, you know, did you go wearing spurs, <laughs> chaps, uh, riding crop, and a cowboy hat? N- none, of the, none of the above. I'm disappointed so, already. I, I know. I know. I, I know. Um, but, but my wife and I did do a lot of people watching. And, um, yes, you got every combination, every combination of the above, plus Daisy Dukes and... Who knows what? Who Daisy knows what Dukes, else? and yeah. that's only on the men. Jesus, what did the women wear? <laughs> um, but no, it was a very, it was a very good weekend, a very tiring weekend. Um, and again, we um, we bumped into Phil Rudkin and Vicky when we were there. So I say hi to 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 uh, Phil and Vicky. Yeah. Um, but no, it's very very good weekend down at the O2, and um, yeah, it took me about three days to recover. Well, I'm not going to ask why, um, but it, it does sound like a, a, all, all that line dancing, yelling, uh, yee-haw, to really take it out of the vocal cords. Now, is this the point where we admit to people that I was there too and that I was yelling and that's why my voice sounds like this? No, but in all fairness, country music sounds great. Everyone's talking about how they don't have anything and they're sad about it and stuff like that. It's the most pure, some of the songwriting in it is just incredible. I grew up on a, on a heavy diet, like I think most Irish people did. Um, in the early 90s on Garth Brooks. Um, 
who changed his name to Chris Gaines and it all started to get weird. What <laughs> advice can, and I'm, and I'm being dead serious here, what advice can you give or what artists can you throw out there to start eking back into some country music action? Because uh, I'm more of a hip hop type of guy. So is there anyone that you can sort of suggest to me, Pete, that is like a gateway drug to country music? So, 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 so I think the artist that everybody has to pick up on if they if they um, want to listen to somebody in country music was the guy that headlined headlined country to country on Sunday evenings, Chris Stapleton. Right. I, I would I would suggest he's probably one of the world's great guitarists. Let's put it, let's put it like that. And uh, he's a guy that's been been around for a while, but mainly as a songwriter, and in the last four or five years has really taken off as a as an artist, and he's fantastic. Now, is he a throwback to the old school? Because I'm looking for a guy who talks about how they took his guitar, they took his woman, they took his drink. He had two pounds in his arse pocket and they took that too. I mean, that's what I'm looking for, you know? Well, his his songs are very much like that, yeah. Good. Good. I don't want any of this sort of stuff about like, you know, I I would sing a lick, uh, but I I don't want it with my condition. I don't think I'd give people my best. But, you know, I don't want these people singing about how they unfollow their love on Instagram. I can't be dealing with it. Um, I need some authentic stuff about, you know, know, dust ball stuff. Um, Anyway, I've probably cleared my throat about 14 times in this podcast, which will all be edited out again. It goes to air. Um, But, Pete, before we get too far into it, and along the same lines of music, and with it being recorded on Patrick's Day, likely released the day after, which is kind of more the disclaimer in case we sign everybody else, because we're at that stage now. Many Packer fans have been brought to hospital as of late out of shock, free agency uh, shock. Um, so if we sign anybody in the meantime, we do apologize for not being up to date. Um, but let me kick off some Irish music to do to do. And let me rip off the... Um, very poignant Packers limerick uh, as people have but people have really grown to love these things anyway here we go in my uh, weird weird sound of voice free agency at Packers fans in bits when we signed Preston and Zadarius Smith also Billy Turner Adrian Amos so excited can you blame us now we might sack a QB when we blitz <laughs> now do you agree with that sentiment <laughs> I want to hear uh, the, the Peter Jones take on all of these players because I just want to highlight um a couple of things and a couple of interesting points but one question that again it's I don't know whether other people are thinking it but I sort of thought at the time there is absolutely no way Brian Gutekunst is going to bite on a question like that because it's absolutely loaded but someone said to him in the press conference um, and I'm paraphrasing here and I don't know who it was and I should have found out all of these things and quoted exactly but the sentiment of it was Pete is that we've picked up a bunch of players he sort of deemed them not the upper echelon players who demanded the massive money. And we'll, we can sort of, you know, delve into what the salary cap hit and all this stuff was and how they've, you know, front-loaded or back-loaded and all the rest. But basically, they said they picked up a bunch of players that weren't the upper echelon players. They really kind of went all out for them and potentially overpaid. So is he confident that these are going to be the players that we need or are we falling into kind of, you know, overpaying for players that aren't the very top level? Now, of course, Brian Gutekunst isn't going to be like, yeah, well, you know, we've got a sort of uh, ragtag bunch of pals. You know, let's see how they do. (laughs) He's going to come out and he obviously does. And I I believe that he truly believes that these are difference makers. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done what they did. Um, Now, Peter, when you look at these four players, um, obviously loaded on defense, two linebackers, um, a safety and then an offensive lineman. Do you see potential to of of star power uh, with these people and, and kind of what stands out when you saw these names prop up? Yeah, so well, I guess before I start, Steve, I should say Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. And it was it was very kind of you 
to arrange the Irish rugby team not to turn up in Cardiff <laughs> yesterday. I was. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, you know, it's too close to Paddy's Day. The, an Irishman can't have his mind on rugby at this stage. <laughs> um. So, on to more important stuff. Yeah. So you know, as as, as Andy Andy Davis quietly quite rightly pointed out on this pod a couple of weeks back, you know, Zadarius Smith, I think we were, um, we all had on our, on our radar and Andy had him doubly on his radar uh, mm. as a guy that, that we thought was a good, good fit in, in Green Bay. And I think that him, him at one end and, and, and Preston Smith at the other clearly, clearly gives us the pass rush that we've, we've been lacking for, for quite some time uh, since, since Clay was in his pomp, I guess. And what you got with those two guys is two very slightly different players. You know, Preston Smith really is um, lining him up on the edge and rush the passer type guy. And uh, Zadaria Smith's more of a guy that I think Mike Pettin will move around. Yeah. So yeah, he'll rush. He'll rush from the edge. So he'll nominally be an outside linebacker, potentially a, a four-three end, and we might talk about that in a minute. But it's, you know, he's, he will line him up on the on the edge. But he's he's also a guy that will blitz from the inside and. Pettin likes to do that, and 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 Zadarius Smith's very successful, has been very successful certainly in the past season, at doing that. So rushing, you know, rushing the passer through the through the through the A gap between the the centre and guard. So I think we've got two. I think we've got two good guys there, and I think that as good as we could have hoped to get under the under the circumstances of of free agency with. With the guys that we expected to get tagged with the franchise tag, you know, Demarcus Lawrence and and those guys, and with D Ford a wanting the Chiefs wanting a draft pick for him, yeah, and the astronomical contract that he ended up getting, I I, I think they've done. I think the Packers have done exceptionally well to pick up those two guys. Yeah, it's there's a couple of things that kind of strike me as interesting, and, and you kind of touched on it. There is exactly where he plays a Smith. Um, I see him on some depth charts, rosters, tweets, uh, you know, stuff that's been put out there as a defensive end, yep. um, which is really interesting. And I think what people have to bear in mind as well, but because what I see online mostly is, is that people asking, uh, right, we're after signing these lads, then, you know, who gets replaced? Where do we play them? What does that mean for Mike Daniels and, and Kenny Clark? Is there any change there? Um, you know, and, and there there have been sort of comments out there that have said, uh, that as fantastic as Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels are, uh, we need something more explosive and, and something that'll get to the quarterback. Now, certainly from the sort of introductory stuff that we see online from from everybody right now, I, you know, I am conscious of the fact that the, the, these have been known for a while and people have been talking about them for a while. So I don't know what we can bring to the table that's particularly new if we just go delving into stats. Um, but an important one is is that. Um, so Larry Smith was second amongst NFL linebackers according to Sport Radar and Packers.com um, in quarterback hits with 25 and total pressures. And I think myself, yourself and Andy were even talking about that. It's not necessarily the sack total as long as you're just creating a bit of mayhem back there. And I see Joe Thomas um, on NFL Network coming out and saying that when he played uh, with the Browns and they come up against Darius Smith, uh, that they would zero in on him as the guy to look out for, which is something to be said because if teams are looking at the likes of Zadarius Smith and they're they're zeroing in on him, which means that they're probably double covering him um, and all the rest, and he, he's creating mayhem, is that he's probably going to be an awful lot quieter uh, stat-wise, uh, but his overall impact, which is the sort of the debate that we saw with Clay Matthews as of late, right, that people thought that he still had uh, quite a value because... You know, 
teams were placing an awful lot of emphasis on him and that's why he wasn't being as effective now whether that rings true for clay matthews now at this stage in his career um who knows but there are um stuff coming out about clay himself moving on but before uh, we jump into that type of stuff peter would you agree with sort of this synopsis despite the fact that brian gudekunst is after coming out and saying that this isn't the case so if we sort of cast our minds back to last year uh, muhammad wilkerson uh, you know disciplinary issues in New York uh, talk of him arriving late at meetings and, and all the rest and he kind of went into that in some of his interviews we look at the offensive side of the ball Jimmy Graham another player who would kind of effectively be seen as over the hill limited in his blocking ability uh, we're kind of hoping that he can recapture some past form as opposed to projecting that into the future in a so kind of a long-term deal which is why we see the contracts for m- more sort of Wilkerson more so with that one year prove it deal and talks about the mutual interest about bringing him back now we see these players they're younger um you know they're 26 years of age and what we're doing now is we're sort of casting our minds forward and giving these sort of let's not call them long-term deals because they can always be restructured and kind of moved out of but we're really focused on the fact of that we're going to try sort of squeeze out the best of these players careers going forward now is do you think that that's just basically what we have to do we don't have a choice now at this stage and also and i really hate this analogy but where we are with aaron Rodgers is that we have to go and utilize what we can going forward with him because and i hate again using this analogy the window is closing do you think that holds any truth that it's kind of a and although brian gudekun says that it's a win now mentality um all the time in green bay i don't strictly think that that's true you're kind of given that honeymoon period to sort of um settle in um, do you think that this is really, you know, backs to the wall kind of stuff and that we have to do this now to actually get on as a team or fall by the wayside effectively? No, I think I think that I think that you have to make use of, of the resources that you've got. So, you know, going back 25, 25 years when you didn't have free agency, it was all through the draft and the occasional trade. Yeah. Um, now with now with free agency, you have to you have to. I, I believe be as active as you can whilst being sensible, whilst whilst only paying for value. Um, you have to be as active as you can in in that regard. And you just look at what the Packers have done in the past week now completely potentially changes what happens in a month's time in, in the draft. Yeah. So, you know, it was almost certain that we would be looking at edge rushers in the draft, probably at pick 12, perhaps at pick 30, perhaps at pick 44, perhaps two of those three picks. Now we're in a completely different scenario. So you, so, so you absolutely have to use free agency. And I think that the thing about the win now mode, I think in the minds of every team, I think every organization that, that exists, some of that's for public consumption because I don't think you can ever turn around and say, well, no, we're rebuilding, but come back to us in three years' time when we think we're going to have a winning team. So, so I think there's a little bit of, of that in for public consumption. But I think there's also the realisation that, you know, recent history, if you look at, you know, the, the Rams and, the, and, the, and um, the Eagles and some of the recent successful teams, is that you can turn the thing around very quickly. Yeah. If you make if you make the right moves, um, and and it looks to me like the Packers have used they've almost utilised all of their free cap space 
um, in, the, in the past week or so, and we'll, we might touch on that, that cap space. But I think they've utilised it very sensibly, given who was available. You know, you can only get the players who are available. And yes, you're going to probably slightly overpay for them, but that's that's the that's the name of the game. And and over a period of time, what looks like an expensive contract now in three or four years time, you know, won't be. You know, the cap's going to increase every year. And so, you know, 15 million in value three years from now isn't the same as 15 million in value today. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I, I'm I'm very encouraged with with the moves with the moves that they've made and I'm very encouraged about what it's done to their to the draft strategy next month. Yeah, and again, you know, we can go into the individual players um but there's been enough literature and audio out there I think um which is why we're kind of dragging this conversation into the interest and aspects of the likes of, you know, strategy, cap space, draft strategy. Um but I do think Zadaria Smith, Preston Smith um what would worry me would be is that when they say you know he started a season high this amount of games and they talk about durability that's one thing that I'd look at uh, but certainly you'd expect from a younger player um, that you'd have more longevity and also when you slot him into Petten's defense who he was very successful last year um, I deem obviously some massive deficiencies at safety which they've tried to shore up with bringing Adrian Amos in um, even though his name is spelled Amos but apparently <laughs> it's Amos Um you know not to be confused with Martin Amos but it, it's what I feel is that you know we're only going to trend up we're only going to be made better by all of this but what I would say is is that when it comes down to two things I'd love to love to get your thoughts uh, thoughts I should say instead of thoughts um, in the Irish terms is two things number one is that cap space that you spoke about so the numbers that we see floated out there is is that for these four players we're talking about a combined cap hit of 23.4 to 24 million this year but next year, and this is according to Andy Herman, and I'll nearly read out his tweet uh, verbatim because I know that you and Andy uh, like to go back and forth and discuss <laughs> stuff, right? Um, that um, all four will cost $47 million in 2020. And his tweet says, there's no way out of those, which I would debate. Um, and with $200 million cap space next year, that's almost 25% of next year's cap for those four players alone. Then he adds in Rodgers, Adams, Bakhtiari, and he says we're at 110 million out of 200 on seven players alone. Is that true, um, Pete? And are you worried about that cap space issue? So, so, so this, so this year's number, 20, 23.4, is, abs- is absolutely is absolutely spot on. Hmm. All right, and and that's about you know, and we'd gone, you know, we talked about this previously, and I and I tweeted on this a number of times. That's around about what they realistically had to spend in in this in this window Mm. um you know the cap number was they were actually about 34 under the cap but you've got the draft coming up and then you've got you know the practice squad you have to sign in september and then injuries during the season so realistically that's about the number that they had to spend they freed up a little bit three three million by releasing nick Nick perry um but you know they're they're going to use all of that saving on Mercedes Lewis that they've signed this week, re-signed this week, and Geronimo Allison, who's been given the restricted free agent tender of two million. And in fact, they've re-signed Allison. We just don't have the contract details yet, but it's going to be two point something million, I imagine. Yeah. Um, so that so that number's absolutely right. And they've done a really good job in structuring the contract, those four contracts to get them under, you know, in a reasonable cap position 
this year without having to release any anybody else. Um, and Andy's spot on. The cap number for next year for those four players um, that they signed this week is indeed $47.75 million, which is probably about a quarter of the cap for next year. So, you know, the cap's the best part of $190 million this year, expected to go up by $10 million-ish next year. So, so, so it is it is a quarter of the cap, and and there's and there's certainly um, some question marks or some work to do, shall we say, with the cap for next year. So right now the Packers have 161 million of that 200 million committed for next year, and only 34 players under contract. Um, so you know they've got 36 million to play with, and still 19 players to sign just to get to a roster of 53 ne- next year. Um, so Aaron Rodgers playing cornerback? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, <laughs> or you and me, Steve, for the, for the minimum <laughs> yeah, salary. Yeah, we come cheap, fairly cheap. <laughs> um, but with all of these things, as you as you alluded to, there's always stuff that can be done. So, so, so they're not just thinking about this free agency period, they're thinking about next year and, 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 and the year ahead. So... You know, if I look at next year's numbers, for example, so Jimmy Graham's cap hit for next year is nearly 11.7 million. If they were to cut him, they would save 8 million of that. So straight away, you've got 8, 8 million. Uh, and, and I would imagine there's a pretty fair bet that Graham isn't back next year. Particularly, you know, if they, if they draft the tight end this year, he learns behind Graham this year, then becomes, you know, your, your full-time guy next year, I would imagine there's a fair chance that, Gra- that Graham's not back. Um, somebody like Corey Lindsley, who we all love, you know, it's, it plays every down every year, mm. but, you know, his cap number next year is 10.5 million. If you were to cut him, you save 8.5 million. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's the route that you go down. Um, I guess all I'm doing is pointing out that it, that, those things will be in people's minds potentially or as a possibility or you even look which is probably more likely that during the season this year you sign Lindsley to an extension that reduces his cap number next year and pushes some of it further out to 2021 and 2022 and and so on and so forth um you know and there's and there's a and there's a few of those that they could work you know they could even they could even sit and, and work with work with Aaron Rodgers um, you know, if they were to start converting some of his base salary into signing bonus straight away, you're spreading that cost from a cap perspective across the length of the contract. So there's all kinds of things that they can that they can do. But but today they, you know, looking at the, looking out on the face of the numbers, they have some work to do for 2020. And look, if there's anybody that's going to do it, it's going to be Russ Ball, right? I mean, this yeah. is the guy that Mark Murphy wanted to keep around at all costs which is why that they gave him sort of a promotion uh, which is deemed not to be entitled alone um, and that he has got other responsibilities. But it's a very interesting point that you raise because I'll never forget the absolute cold sweat I was put into when Sitton was let go and, um, you know, we, we saw stuff move around there. TJ Lang was let go. Uh, we saw the battle between Lindsley and JC Treader um, and the amount of money that they were on. Then we saw McRae come in. And it's just, you know, Lane Taylor. Like, look at the stuff Lane Taylor had to put up with. Yep. Um, and he came in. But a, again, a guy who who proved fantastic. Now, the numerator that has been subtracted from all of this is James Campen. 
um, which makes this even more of um, uh, just a, a crazy saga and including some of uh, camp and staff that he brought with him um, to Cleveland. So what makes this such a dance, I think, going into it is, is that potentially, um, and let me sort of paint a picture here, and I know Dave Damashek on NFL Network likes to paint these sort of uh, hypotheticals, but what we've been missing all this time has been a, a stout and strong, reliable defense who shows up. We bring in the Smith brothers, let's call them. Uh, we bring in Adrian Amos, who should shore stuff up at safety. We see Jair Alexander and Kevin King uh, grow into their roles after an additional year. Our defense becomes fairly dominant. Um, we bring in a tight end in the draft, be it you know Fant or or whatever, um, who's available at that at that time or Hawk. Um, and we start to get stuff clicking in that regard. Jimmy Graham ends up doing the business. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is, is doing his stuff. Matt LaFleur is being creative. Now, can you imagine an injury to Lindsley um, or a thing of where they trust that process of letting go a veteran uh, to try sign someone, not on the cheap, but someone cheaper that they're going to develop? And whether they see that person um, in someone that's sitting behind them now, uh, like, you know, Lucas Patrick, um, you know, who knows, like Adam Pankey. I mean, yeah. you know, whether they see someone like that as, as going to be stepping into it and like Lane Taylor did and, and they meant the flack that he did. And again, he had a bit of a shaky start in his first game or two and, and ended up sort of growing into it. And the fact that we were very surprised that we actually were not talking about Lane Taylor when he stepped into those shoes and was kind of a miracle within itself. He really held up. And just a revelation that Bakhtiari obviously was uh, when he came in. So can you imagine a situation where in order for us to try meet cap requirements, that we end up having to tinker with our O-line and that becomes yeah. the weak link of this team. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it really is. And I think I think they're absolutely going to have to tinker with with the offensive line. So Lane Taylor's a great example. So his cap number in 2020 is 5.9 million. If you were to cut him, you save 4.7 million of that. So, so, so it, that's not beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah. And... You know, and I'm I'm not suggesting that that that's that's what what you should do. You know, I like I like Lane Taylor as a as a player, and um, but but those are the kinds of things that that the team will be looking at. You know, Russ Ball and and and, and Brian, whose name I can never pronounce properly. Good <laughs> Um Yeah, so you know, even you know, you look at David Bakhtiari's contract. His cap number next year is fourteen point two million. Yeah, you know. And we love David Bakhtiari as probably the number one left tackle in the whole of football. Um, 14.2 million. If you were to cut him, and again, not very likely, but, but you know, guys are salary cap casualties from time to time. It saves 11 million on the cap next year. So it would never surprise me with the likes of Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, perhaps Lane Taylor, that we that the Packers aren't talking to them this year to work on their contracts and, ex and, ex and extend those outwards. And the biggest hits, as you said, seem to be around the offensive line where you can probably get most, most potential cap savings. Yeah. There's one other thing to throw into the mix while we're on the cap um, conversation is that the current collective bargaining agreement between the players and the NFL, the last year of that is 2020. So, once we get beyond next year, we don't know what 
um, that's going to look like. And therefore, we don't know the formula that sets the salary cap from 2021 onwards. Well, we all know 2021 is going to be half a season because they're going to strike again, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's, quite, it's, it's, quite, it's quite possible. But what I do suspect will happen is, is that the formula for calculating the salary, because in essence, that's what, that's what the salary cap does, calculates the salaries for players, I think is bound to go up because I'm sure that the players union are going to push for it. And therefore, I would imagine that the cap increase from 2020 to 2021 yeah. will be more than the 10 million we've been seeing over the last few years. So I think there's kind of, you know, a, a potential out from 2021 onwards. Yeah, um, which, again, kind of puts all of this stuff into perspective. And maybe if there's rumblings that that's going to happen, the, look, these are the people in the know. Um, at the end of the day, all of us kind of armchair analysts, um, as good as we are, of course, um, can only sort of speculate and who knows what's coming down the tracks. Um, a couple of un- other interesting, I guess, talking points um, would be is just around um, the Smiths coming in and, and people sort of pondering whether, you know, one of them is, is Zadarius going to be a defensive end? Are they going to use him, you know, strictly at linebacker? I mean, what are they going to do? Petten made it quite clear last year when he came in, didn't need that. He doesn't believe in that 3-4-4-3 three, four, four, three yep. type system, that that's less relevant. Uh, they're bringing in nitro packages. We've seen basically every single player um, on the field, including the defensive line, be just cornerbacks or safeties. And so, you know, they don't really care about bringing in the small guys, the big guys, lining them up, whatever, whether the lads have the fingers in the dirt or not. Um, and as well as that, an awful lot of this is going to be to look multiple um, and to bring different type of stuff. So yeah. I don't think that's a big deal, Pete. No, absolutely. And when you when you look at the size of of the two Smiths, they're both around two seventy. Yeah. And one's six foot four and a half and two seventy, and the other one's six foot five, two seventy five, or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, those are almost the ideal size for for four for four three defensive ends. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 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 so so you know, so 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 if they can play line outside linebacker and or defensive end. Yeah, that's absolute. That's absolutely fine. And as as you point out, I mean, the number of times the Packers started last year, um, you know, in a in a th- in a three two six defensive formation yeah. in a lot of games. You know, they started with three safeties and three corners on the field um, in more more than half the games that they played last year. So, so I think you're absolutely right. I think you kind of start getting more and more away from three four four three. Whatever you know, I, I I expect to see quite a lot of formations. To be honest, with four down linemen, perhaps only two or even one linebacker on the field, and five or six defensive backs. Yeah, yeah. I think Petten will be licking his chops. I think the um this this will feed exactly into what he likes to do. Uh, an awful lot of his defensive system is about getting pressure. Um, on the cornerback, you know, disguising some blitzes and stuff. Um, I know I know that sounds like kind of waffle because that's what everyone does, but I think his system is predicated on primarily getting that pressure first and then, you know, reaping benefits on the back end. Um, another thing um, I guess to discuss is a potential fallacy now in draft strategy because an awful lot of people are saying, um, including me at first, and then I had a good, uh, good ponder about it, is that they've brought in two linebackers and a safety um, and a tackle slack guard in, in Billy Turner. Although, uh, you know, let's face it, he's likely going to come in at, at guard and um, probably right guard. Um, is it true to say, and this, this is what I'm sort of leaning more towards, is that just because we have two linebackers coming in, 
doesn't mean that we're not going to go edge rusher um, in the first pick of this draft. I think if it falls correctly, how could you pass up a premium edge rusher? Because we know the emphasis that's placed on just the value of a player um, at that position. Um, in your mind, Peter, are you completely ruling out edge rusher as the first pick, leaning more towards tight end um, or even potentially an O-lineman? Or maybe an offensive position? Or would you subscribe to, okay, they could still go edge rusher here and really get stacked? So, so in, my, in, my mind, it's, it, it, in my mind, it's not completely ruled out. Yeah. Um, I, I've, been the, I've been advocating for quite a while now that, that, that to me the obvious move is to trade down from 12. Yeah. Um, just because I think there are quite a few of those edge rushers around. You know, there's four or five that will probably go in the first round. And I also think that there's, you know, a number of other guys like, like Hawkinson and, and, and those kind of guys that, that, that the Packers would, would love to have. And I, and I, and I just, I just strongly believe that when the Packers go to pick at 12, there'll be four or five players on the board that they've probably got, um, at roughly equal value. And so, and so if they can trade down four or five spots and still get one of those guys, you know, and pick up an extra second, second or third round pick, then I think that that's the way to go. But no, I've I've not I've not I've not ruled it out, Steve. I think that now what they have is a lot more flexibility. You know, if if the bizarre thing happened, and all four or five of those first round pass rushes went before the Packers picked at twelve, it's not the end of the world for the Packers now. Whereas whereas would have been really disappointed if if Burns and Sweat and Farrell and those guys had come off the board uh, before the Packers picked at 12, you know, just over a week ago before we knew what they did in free agency. We'd have been disappointed if all those guys had come off the board before Packers picked. So I just think they have so, so much flexibility now. Um, it's it, it feels just such a great position to be in, mm. uh, you know, and with that number 30, 30 pick as well, uh, it just feels like they're in such a great position for the draft. You know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, and and I haven't advocated this, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that you could trade down from twelve to twenty-two and pick up another first-round pick next year. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really given that much thought, but that's not beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah, I've heard people uh, moot that uh, all right, saying that you know we trade down, and even in this year's draft that we trade down and then you know edit the first round let's say and pick up an extra second round pick and then package that with another pick and move back up into the first round again yeah. i mean what it really does and i think it's an interesting point that you raise is that it makes us more flexible but not more predictable um yeah. you know is that we can like i would not be too surprised if we went solely offense for um the first round i also wouldn't be too surprised if we just stuck to defense so now i i think it'd be crazy to to pass up on one of the tight ends with them being so good uh, in this draft but that brings me to mercedes lewis now this shocked me for it it shocked me and didn't shock me um and i guess it raises more questions than it answers um so, so to me this uh shocked me i guess pete in the sense that we've robert tonyan jimmy graham do we need Mercedes Lewis? The answer is obviously yes um, for his blocking ability and with the schemes that Matt LaFleur runs. But the number one thing that shocked me about it was is that he sat on a panel with none other than Martellus Bennett 
and they spoke about the disconnect between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and that he was the one who blew it out into the media um, and we all know how Aaron Rodgers feels about this and trust and all the rest. Now, the thing with that is is that maybe he doesn't need the trust of Aaron Rodgers because he's not going to be catching the ball, right? <laughs> he's just going to be blocking. Uh, but that would become very predictable, which sort of rules that option out that he would be expected to, to haul in some passes, I would say. But the fact that he was the one who was talking about, oh, they called in a play and then we all knew what Aaron was going to do. He wasn't, yeah. you know, he's going to go to the outside. So why am I even involved in any of this? And he'd roll his eyes and sort of be like, I'm not going to run that. Now, this sort of says two things to me is that one, there's a new sheriff in town. Um, so Matt LaFleur is in and he doesn't really care, um, you know, let bygones be bygones and he doesn't care that it's blown it out because that old regime is dead. So, you know, so people can come out and talk ill of Saddam Hussein, but it doesn't really matter because that's well gone now, you know, or not suggesting that uh, Mike McCarthy was a despot, uh, not for an instant. But um, as well as that, that it kind of goes to show that not that there's a lack of loyalty there to Mike McCarthy, but... It's kind of the fact of, it, it does sort of say, it, all of that really doesn't matter anymore. You know, fair enough. It's kind of fact now and everybody knows that the two lads didn't get along. We've turned over the page. We have a clean canvas and let's just crack on. Now, the question really is, were you shocked by it? And do you even expect him to make the roster? Because at his age, 35, he's still not guaranteed, is he? No, so I wasn't shocked, but I was, but I was surprised. Mm. So I think when we... Um, we we looked at the Packers um, free agents. I don't know a month or so a month or so ago. Yeah. You know, I I certainly didn't expect him to be back. You know, I I I figured that Graham would be back, and I figured that you know that Tonyan would obviously be back. But I but I I didn't think that Lewis or Kendricks would would be back. So I'm surprised, but but not not totally shocked by it. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think it it points to Lafleur coming in, a wanting to run his offense, which appears to be on the on the face of it um, more run oriented, um, um, and also, yeah, I mean, I like your analogy that new sheriff new sheriff in town. I think very much, you know, the old regime is gone. Everybody gets a second chance if you want to pull it that way, um, and yeah. You know, the guys had a successful career, wasn't utilised very much last year. Um, it may also be a case of, of, of hedging their bets, Steve, around the draft that mm. says, I've now got three tight ends. Um, I'm in a pretty similar position from a tight end perspective to what I was in last year. OK, I, I had Kendricks as well, but I'm hoping that Tonyan's going to step up a bit more this year, that, that Lewis is going to play a little bit more than he did last year and get and be more involved in the offense. So not dissimilar situation to the one that they were in last year. And again, it may be a case of hedging their bets that says I've now, I can go into the season with those three if the draft doesn't fall my way. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if, if I've only got the two of them heading into the draft, it might be then I feel duty, duty bound to try and draft a, a, a tight end. So, yeah, whether or not he'll make the roster, I expect that he will, because um, I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, putting my salary cap hat back on, I think in the grand scheme of things, 2.1 million isn't that a huge amount of number, so I don't think he'd be a, a salary cap casualty as, as such. So so I imagine that he will make the final roster, um, but, but it certainly doesn't rule out 
in any shape or form the Packers taking the tight end in the first round of the of the upcoming draft. Yeah. It probably rules out the conversation that we were having on the last podcast where we where the potential for them to be drafting two tight ends, you know, one one early and one in the fifth or sixth round. That's probably unlikely now. And it sort of pangs to me as well, kind of what I felt when Petten came in last year and Clay Matthews was still around. And, you know, I was sort of thinking... I, I, more so the way Petten was speaking about him, he was he was sort of saying, you know, and, and I remember Rob Domofsky writing a piece about it that, in and, and I remember looking at the merit of it and going, do you know what, that actually makes sense. It sounds counterintuitive, but it actually makes sense. Is that you will, could build a defense around Clay Matthews um, and utilize him in different ways. And certainly I think some of these coaches, when they come in, because obviously we have a new offensive coordinator who's going to act as um, an offensive coordinator loves the fire, firepower, the run game, all the rest of that type of stuff. Yeah. So that you're dealing with two lads who are probably on the same page in in Hackett and Lafleur, who were looking at this guy and going, "Okay, you didn't squeeze a lot out of him last year, but maybe we can get something out of Mercedes loose, and we see something that we can utilize that that you didn't." Um, and it's a different system, so they're probably looking at him the way they looked at Clay Matthews last year. Now, speaking of Clay, um, let's have a quick rundown of a few of the moves and shakes, which includes. Clay Matthews and that sort of bundle as well, which again is a rumor at this stage, which undoubtedly between now and the podcast drops, that will be fully announced. Um, so Nick Perry, let walk. Yeah. Uh, Kentrell Bryce is uh, allegedly being let walk to sign elsewhere. Uh, we've seen the issues that we had with him last year. Um, Geronimo Allison brought back um, on on very little money to say that he is effectively our number two wide receiver. Now that's up for debate, and um, whether people want to sort of uh, delve into that side of stuff. And Clay Matthews then uh, apparently having kind of what we would probably re- refer to as mutual interest. Uh, certainly, if I know Andy sent us a tweet there before the podcast just on that. You know, I mean, what's the love about California with the Rams <laughs> being interested in it? Uh, Clay being a guy from California, uh, definitely pro- probably on for moving back. So how do you feel about those moves? And if you want to maybe delve into Clay and seeing that, do you feel that he's definitely gone and that, you know, moving out there would be the right move for him? Yeah, I think, you know, he, um, you know, that's his, that's his home. You know, that's where the family's from. So, so I think if he, if he was going to go anywhere, it would, it would likely be, uh, be California. Um, I, I, I think that, I think the Packers would like him back, but 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 I think that he's you know the the Packers are probably at this stage, having signed who they've who they've signed, they're, they're looking at a very small salary for him to come back to, to Green Bay, and you know he's clearly, even at this stage of his career, going to get a slightly better offer somewhere else. Yeah, and you know if that somewhere else is is basically his home. You know, then, then you have to believe that he's going to end up in California and, and almost cer- almost certainly with the Rams. And they'd be more successful too, P, won't they? I mean, if you look at the the players that the the Rams have, with that pressure up front, it allows Clay to be more Clay like, let's say, um, and probably a better caliber player if he had more weapons around him. So. It's not all on Clay, it has to be fair. No, I know no, I've I, been hard on him. You've always sort of <laughs> been more reasonable, <laughs> whereas I've always been like, oh, no, he needs to go. Well, and, and, and I, think, I think it's, you know, if Clay, if Clay goes to the Rams on, you know, a, reason, a reasonable 
contract, and I, I, you know, I don't know what that would be. Let's say five million a year. I don't know what the number, what the number would be. That kind of number, I would imagine. Um, then I think it's a win-win all round. You know, you know, the, the, the Packers put out a statement. Wonderful career that he's had in Green Bay. We wish him well going forwards, and we're welcoming him back when he's inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame in a few years' time. Um, he wins. He gets to go back home and and play. You know, and the Rams get a player that they they feel can still contribute. So I think it, I think it's a win-win. You know, mm. the Packers have brought in the guys that we've talked about. You know, on top of that, there's still Kyler Kyler Fackrell as the third outside linebacker, if you if you like. Um, so I think every everybody's in a in a win-win situation. I, I think for Green Bay it would be different if they hadn't signed those two guys this week. I think there would be a lot more effort to bring to bring Clay back at more money. But I think. It just feels feels like the right thing for everybody. And the and I know I I pinged you a message the minute I saw the Brian Gutekunst um, presser, um, just to zero in on what Brian Gutekunst said about Clay. And I I think he said it in the most. It's like anything else. It's like you know if someone says, "Did this happen?" and someone goes, "Well, a gentleman never tells." You know, you're kind of like, oh, "Okay, yeah, we get it." You know, like instead of it just being no or i can't tell you you know it's it's just like all right it's obvious so this whole thing about clay matthews and how do you see it he's obviously not going to answer because if there are contract negotiations it would sway it um and again he could have said what he said to try limit what would be deemed as a public interest and sort of dampen it so that you would get a better contract or whatever but like you say i think he does have value elsewhere but gudekun sort of said you know if he's not going to help our team he's He's definitely useful to somebody else. So that kind of said to me, nailing the coffin stuff that he's not coming back. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, to, I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, soft spot for the Matthews family. I think we just yeah. have to say thank you for everything that he's done. Go and have a good last two, three, however many years of your of your career back back home, and we'll see and we'll see you back in Green Bay in a few years' time at the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I mean, he's been he's been an outstanding player and definitely a pro football Hall of Fame worthy uh, player to get in there, um, which would be a bit of a strange day, I guess, Pete, because we see the campaign that um, his sister Jessica is doing, which you've been involved in uh, with the Matthews family in trying to get their dad into the Hall of Fame and how comparative his numbers are. Um, well, I think that, yeah, so I think I think our Clay, Clay the third, will, will definitely get into the Packers Hall of Fame. Yeah. Whether he gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, probably just short. But yeah. you know, I, but we'll, we'll see. But we'll certainly welcome him back to the Packers Hall of Fame in five, six years' time. I imagine. Well, I'm going to put a long game bet on you. I, I think that he will get in just on hair alone. Um, I think <laughs> he's got to get in. Um, but yeah, I do. I do expect to be in. But as you say, I made an absolute shoe in. Whenever they sort of you know pencil him in to to get the ceremony, they usually let people leave because I think that's the thing, right? There's there's no. Well, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think there's any uh, time limit on bringing them into the Packers Hall of Fame. But I think they let the kind of you know go off and do their thing and let it breathe and then bring them back. Um, so Jake Ryan gone, going to the Jags, and another one that I, I actually do I want to hear what you think about Nick Perry because me and you spoke about this. I was convinced for a long time that he was gone, um, and I know that you were sort of more looking towards putting the salary cap hat on and saying just for the money that we would. Um, forfeit by letting him, letting him go that they probably keep him around um, and feel because he was only one year removed from you know a stellar year that he's been let go 
How do you see that? Because we see stuff in the news about, you know, the, the 1st of June designation and the fact that they're yep. going to have to bite so much salary cap um, and all of that on, on letting them go. Do you think that was the right move to make, Pete? So, so I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> for once um, way. Uh, no, I I um so again I think I think it's one of those situations that once once they'd made the move for the for the two Smiths that then then I think his his days were absolutely numbered. Um uh, for two reasons. One because those guys are coming in at the same position, but 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 two also um you're at that point, you've got no salary cap flexibility at all. Yeah. So, so you're either looking at Perry or you're looking potentially at a Tremont Williams or even a, a Brian Balaga. And, you know, clearly the last two, two of those three, they think are st- still going to do a good job for the team this, this coming year. And therefore, you know, Perry was the obvious one to move on from a, a from a cap position, but B because you signed the other two guys. Um, I was pleased that they didn't give him the post 1st of June designation. So what that would have meant was that the 11 point, um, the 11.1 um, dead cap hit, they've taken, they've taken it all of it this year rather than splitting it and taking half of it this year and half of it next year. Um, I'm guessing the other reason they didn't do that is if you give a player the post 1st of June designation, you don't get the salary cap saving until the 1st of June, which doesn't help you in the free agency period. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it seems, it seems on the face of it where they were on Tuesday or Wednesday when they made the move just feels like the right, you know, the right thing to do. And um, you were on top of it all along, Steve. Well, that's it. And probably for purely ignorant reasons. And I kind of fell backwards into it, but I'll take it. And if people want to go and save this to their favorites as the one time that Pete will ever be wrong, um, uh, uh, you know, you gladly do it. Um, I mean, it might have been part of it in my mind might have been, might have been there was a lot of people saying it will go. I'll take the opposite view and try and justify why. That's the but, contrarian in you. Yeah. You know, probably, you're a real probably, Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> probably, probably. But, yeah. but it, you know, like I say, in, in retrospect, from where they were on Tuesday or Wednesday, it feels like absolutely the right thing to do. There you go. Uh, the polemic in Peter has struck again. Polemic being the word of the podcast, and he likes to be the Christopher Hitchens of the UK Packers. No, um, yeah, I mean, look, it was an awful lot of money and for them to bite it. And again, for what we saw about players hanging around and the change of system, it could have went either way. But Nick Perry, um, on he goes. And also with him brings my favourite gif of all time, where he had that ball on his arm. And he ended up getting a sack and then coming in and petting that ball uh, cast on his arm, which again, I mean, you know, uh, RIP to that. But in all fairness, we wish uh, Nick Perry all the best. Um, And again, I don't know why people say that stuff because it's not as if they listen to the podcast. But on the off chance, Nick, we love you, bro. Um, So I guess that kind of covers the news. Um, Apart from, I guess, let's end it here if you don't have any other business, um, is John Kuhn, what a gent, um, retiring. I don't know. Did we talk about this on the last podcast? I don't think we did. I think he retired as a Packer in between, right? Um, you a, as big a soft spot for the fullback, Pete? Yeah, I, I've I've a big soft spot for the fullback position. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, you know, ever since really, um, I guess William Henderson was the was the one that really um was kind of the the first top notch one we've had in the last generation or so so but yeah i've always had a soft spot 
for a fullback position and was mildly surprised that the Packers went into 2018 without one. Yeah, strange. And then they got Danny Vitale, who was yeah. like, you know, the, the much tattooed. He got inked, um, which I think I've made my feelings known about things like that before. Uh, yeah, it was a good presser. There's one flaw in the presser. Did you spot it? No, I don't think I did. Let me hit Let me hit you with it, right? Right, we won't get into the ins and outs of our own personal relationships, right? But there's one thing that when he said it, as a, you know, as a partner, um, I was kind of thinking... You are going to get, you know, it's going to be an awkward dinner conversation. They were talking about, um, first off, fantastic guy. Loved, loved the man. Um, I wasn't crying. You were crying, right? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, it was very <laughs> upset. Um, and I had something in my eye and all the rest. But they asked him about coming to Green Bay um, and all the rest. And, well, number one, also, he pointed out that Aaron Rodgers was a great leader, which is really strange because most of the people who end up leaving, um, you know, have been talking trash about poor Aaron. Uh, so it's great to see someone who, you know, didn't have have beef with him, uh, who's trying to look for, you know, zingers and a media career, even though he said he wanted to stay around football. So that was nice. Um, so the one thing that stood out to me was, and I don't know how you get away with it now here, Pete, uh, but I'm coming to Green Bay and he said, oh yeah, well, he said my wife wasn't really, she was like, oh, Green Bay, just, if one thing you do, don't go to Green Bay. And I was like, mm. like, you probably shouldn't say it. And I know he backtracked after that and was kind of like, oh, and then the people of Green Bay won her over. But then you're kind of thinking, really, is it up to us to win you over if you come here? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, you should win us over. Maybe that's how it should be. But I was kind of thinking, yeah, maybe don't admit that that's the case. We had Greg Jennings on the podcast and he did the same, but he also backstabbed Aaron Rodgers. So it's kind of, you know, yin for yang. But like with him, I was kind of like, if you're still living around the area and you love the place, um, I know what he meant. But at the same time, maybe just don't mention it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Husbandly <laughs> advice. I mean, if there's one thing that John Coon can take away from this podcast is that. Um, and I'd love to get him on to find out exactly what the wife said to him after. Um, but yeah, look, great guy, great wife, great kids. Um, and an absolute um, legend. And as well as that, he did some stuff uh, when he left Green Bay. I mean, there was one game for the Saints. I think he ran in two or three touchdowns. In my head, I have it as five in one game, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's right. No. Um, yeah, in my dreams, I dream about fullbacks playing for other teams better. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange thing. So, Pete... But you have um, just reminded me of something, though. Why, what's that? <laughs> no, no, no. Talking of wives, I've had I've had lots of feedback worrying about whether my wife is still outside chasing the dustbins <laughs> down the road. So I just wanted to assure anybody yeah. that's listening that my wife came back home safely... <laughs> securely and had secured our, our dustbins yeah i'm, I'm the, the quantity of uh bin related gifts i've never seen in my life <laughs> after that podcast there was a lot uh, but there was general uh concern about your wife so she's still tolerating you number one yep. she came yeah. home her 40 um, speed her 40 speed carrying a dustbin down the road was astronomical <laughs> yeah well that's what we hear um and you know the brian goodicons did say in his press conference and you did um do up a great sort of you know free agency people that are you know people that are left uh, and you didn't put your wife on and i think that's wishful thinking that you didn't want her to be snapped <laughs> up by some gm around the league but we we'll wait and see brian gudekun certainly could be going after but uh stellar performance i guess that brings us to the end which is always the worst place to do housekeeping but i'll do it anyway um we're about a month or two away from the people that originally signed up on patreon.com forward slash uk packers to get that free t-shirt so if you sign up for the fiverr tier you effectively pay a f- five dollars um i think it's actually in dollars and after six months we send you a free t-shirt 
and we'll be contacting those people uh, to send us those t-shirts. So if you want to support us, if you want to buy, Pete, would you buy me one coffee a month? Would you be Would you be good enough to do something like that if it was in coffee form? Yeah. Well, who wouldn't? And so, <laughs> like, the thing is, is that it's a fiver. It's five dollars. Um, I got a venti in Starbucks today because I got about four hours sleep. Uh, don't ask. Um, so it sort of contributes to the voice, not drink related, more kids related. Um, and. I uh, went down to Starbucks, got a venti, five euro twenty five, crazy. Uh, you know, caramel macchiato, medieval for punishment. So it was the the bank balance. So you can get onto patreon.com for slash UK Packers. Also, uh, NFL Europe shop. If you're buying apparel and we get people coming in, go to NFL Europe shop. But if you click through the link that's on the website, it automatically applies ten uh, percent off to whatever's in your basket. So we inevitably uh, end up having kids, dogs. Need a new jersey, you know, someone gets sacked, you know, you're picking up an old jersey. You want to buy a Bears jersey to clean the car or use as, uh, you know, cat litter. Um, ha ha can... Clinton Dick's Bears jersey, how about that? Isn't that mad? Maybe we should end it here. <laughs> what a laugh. I mean, the Bears do Bears things. But yeah, so you can get out to NFL Europe Shop, save that as the thing. Also, get into the uh, Facebook group, UK Packers. There's a Facebook uh, page, UK Packers. Instagram, which we're more active on, and UK Packers. And let's end it on this, maybe, will we, Pete? Did you see the tweet that the Bears put out about St. Patrick's Day? I did indeed. <clears throat> what an own goal. <laughs> they say that the river is green, and that's the only thing that's going to be green. But all you have to do is nip to the NFL.com, Go to the shop and in there they have a, just a plethora of apparel that is green with shamrocks and all the rest. So, you know, they mustn't not want us to buy their merchandise, which is here, here, uh, dilly, dilly. Uh, you shouldn't buy any merch from the from the Bears. That's that's quite well known. Right, so from myself, at CDDNFL, follow the group at UK Parkers and follow at IT Hedgehog. And of course, go over to UKParkers.co.uk and hit the blog uh, because some great stuff there from Peter Jones. And as always, go over and follow at IT Hedgehog for any type of uh, uh, debate and seeing the stuff go back and forward. But um, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.